Here we go. The uh, the games are underway. We had one game underway. And uh, I hope you got a good night's sleep. I hope you got your last drinks in because if you really want to consume this World Cup, you got to have a clear head because you're going to get up early in the morning. Get out and have a nice run. Went on the beach. That's why I'm wearing this very colorful red shirt. This is the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, check out the entire. We're going to be here all World Cup long. Check out the entire library. Some of it gets a little bit dated, but you'll have some information there that you can use throughout to equip you here at this World Cup. And if you're here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, you can see the shirt. I feel good. Hope you're feeling good. It was great to get these games underway after everything else. Uh, I'm still <laughs> kind of spinning after the Johnny Infantino speech, but we know what's, a, we know what's what. And there are going to be more incidents as we carry on. But we had some games, and it's going to be all games here. Got to keep our ears pricked up because, you know, things are going to happen. Because it was already happening thick and fast. And we'll talk about one thing in particular that may come up tomorrow with regards to the host nation. Uh, the, the, the broadcasts were out. You know, Fox, you know, Alexi Lalas, he's a good friend of mine. He was trending. And I saw Rob's vo Rob Stone's voice was hoarse. He had to come off. And then I turn, and, but their, their picture was better because I'd flip over to Telemundo and their images were not as sharp. The audio wasn't as good. We know about the technological advances that Fox are making. It did have a good picture to it. Uh, but we know their limitations. As soon as that game was over, they were off the air. They were, it was college basketball. Nope, no post-game discussion about the game. And we knew this was going to be the case. So Fox really have uh, their, their hands tied. And you go to Telemundo and they have uh, an hour, two-hour pregame. It's... Uh, that's good. People want to talk about these games. But that's why you have the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. And I encourage you to leave some comments or questions. I will get to them and answer them. Drop it on social media as well. We'll be active. TikTok is up and running. Getting some videos on TikTok. Already getting some excellent returns on there. So we're all going to get here together and uh, use this as a shared space. I'll dress nice as well along the way. Oh, before I go forward, and we have a big USA preview coming up, I want to say thanks to our good friends at Farmer John. Helping allow this to go on the whole day, uh, throughout the, the month, less than a month of this World Cup. You start your day with a good breakfast. You get a good brekkie. If you're in Los Angeles and certain parts uh, uh, of California, you can get that. And if you haven't had Farmer John bacon, uh, you're missing out. It's the best. A chef's kiss, as they say. We knew this was going to be a, a weird World Cup, and it's living up to that. Uh, I predicted a, a tie in this Qatar-Ecuador game. But we watch on and uh, Ecuador, nothing happened as we expected it to. So Ecuador, as we pointed out yesterday, their last three friendlies were scoreless ties. So we're like, this is the way they're going to go about their business. That wasn't the case. They came out guns blazing. I don't know. We, we hear about these air-conditioned stadiums and we are hearing about uh, these fast tracks. That track was fast right at the gate. It was missed time tackles flying around. It was fun to watch. I really enjoyed the opener. You know, openers, you just don't know. Generally, they're good. Generally, they're pretty good. And I also want to say something here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Because I've been taking in a lot. I'm listening to a lot of stuff, podcasts, a lot of good stuff there. But we, we're, we repeat ourselves a lot because everyone doesn't know what everyone else is saying. So I, my promise to you here is try to give you something different and new. I might look at these games a little differently, maybe from the lens of a certain player or coach, so that uh, we have some different information out there. Uh, maybe we'll, everyone's kind of locked in the big story with the USA, but we'll get to that. But getting here to 
what to expect from the World Cup. We have a little bit of a sample size now thanks to Qatar and Ecuador. Ecuador coming out fast. They weren't the team that was in the buildup in September and those November friendlies. It's a different team. I mean, they won by two goals. They had, they were crushing Qatar. It was like 70% possession. They were using their bench. They were flying. And then they kind of squeezed the game in the second half. There's a few minutes where you thought Qatar could get into it. And then, bang, it was over. Uh, the Spanish coach for Qatar on the sideline looking like his best laid plans fell to shreds. He's like, in the 65th minute, he was resigned. He knew it was over. Wasn't that crazy? He's like... It was over. It was very uncomfortable to watch him. The crowd there getting a little feisty as well. Uh, I don't blame them because we'll talk about this game and people will say, Qatar wasn't ready. But you know what? They were ready. And we talked about the history of hosts. No host has ever lost a game until now. And Qatar for 12 years were building up to this. Qatar, this national team, got the players ready. At least they thought they did. They had tournaments at the Copa America. They played against the best of South America. They had a South American opponent here. So that worked out perfectly, you would have thought. They played in the Gold Cup, pushed the United States in the semifinals. They looked like they were traveling. They were playing European teams. They looked like they had this figured out. And then... Now, not a lot of people feeling sorry for Qatar. It's not these players' fault. I, I enjoy watching them play, but they were just messy, nervous... Uh, and you could see the moment got to them. It's unfortunate, but that's part of what's at stake. And maybe we see, you know, where everyone was thinking Ecuador is going to, you know, take, take a little something under the table. Well, that wasn't on the, on the case. And they got, uh, they just came out and shredded Qatar. And Qatar was a, a, a bag of nerves, man. I figured they'd have to play better, but that was not the Qatar team we saw coming in. We're going to continue here with uh, Group A. Uh, this is these games, England and Iran's the early game, I believe. So we're going to go through these games here quickly. And I'm going to stick with Group A, which is Senegal and the Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands ranked eighth in the world. Now both these teams have looked at Ecuador and said, we've got to chase them. They got three points. Ecuador's got to be feeling great. They got a plus two goal differential. Well done on their part. So Senegal and Netherlands both are encouraged to get a victory. Senegal, of course, without Sadio Mane. This is a team that's done it all well, done it the right way. Uh, Sadio Mane is a big loss. I mean, they won the African Cup of Nations. They got beat the Egyptians in the, uh, in the final to qualify. They No shortcuts for Senegal to get here. And they're a very good team, but they're big-name players right now. With Mane out or on the defensive side, Koulibaly and Edouard uh, Mendy. And, uh, you want the attacking players because Senegal is going to have to score goals here. They're going to have to score goals. And the big picture here is we want African teams to do well because they're fun to watch and they're great stories. But if it's not Senegal, then who? Ghana? Maybe. We always talked about the United States being the youngest team at the tournament. I have discovered now it's actually Ghana is the youngest team in the tournament. So uh, will it be Ghana? I don't know who it's going to be. The big problem here is the best African teams aren't here. Algeria, Egypt... You know, Algeria was the highest ranked one. Then you have Nigeria. You know, we talk about those countries that have been massively disappointing on the world stage and how they should be better. Mexico, soccer mad, huge population. Turkey, huge population, soccer crazy. Nigeria's right there. 211 million live in Nigeria. It's a big country. The USA has, what, 320? 
This is discipline. You know, Africa, we got to get things going. But I think Senegal was well-equipped. Uh, I don't think so now. One great story I want to talk about of the Netherlands. Everyone mentions the managers in, uh, this, in this tournament. And the, it's, it's not the sexiest of names. And in case you're not, if you're not that familiar with this sport, the best managers are in club football because that's where the money's at. And that's where they get to do their hands-on uh, coaching. Because they have those players day in and day out. National team managers, little gap. And most, you ask Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, or these guys, they go, I don't want that. I want these players every day so I can work on them. National team stuff is hard. So you don't have the top candidates. You don't have the big names. The biggest name is probably with the Netherlands in Louis van Gaal. 71 years old. Big war horse of a man. Was with the Netherlands in 2014 when they made the semifinals. Remember, they... Did not qualify in 2018, so this is a panic mode for the Dutch. The closer I see them coming to their games, the better I feel about the Netherlands. I think they win this game pretty clean. And now I'm starting to feel that this has some team with momentum. No Memphis Depay, but defensively with Van Dyke and Nathan Ake, uh, the midfield with um, De Jong, and, and even some guys up front. I mean, Cody Gakpo is a... The Dutch footballer of the year, he might be a name you might want to remember, but I want to get back to Louis van Gaal. Louis van Gaal uh, had this really aggressive cancer, prostate cancer, and he kept it under wraps, but from the reports I'm reading, it was really bad. I mean, touch and go where uh, some people were saying he may not be around much longer. And I've been, I have, look, I'm going next level. I've done, get your prostate checked. I should be doing it. I'm that age. Um, the fatality level is not that high, but it's compared to other cancers, but it's, it's really serious. And he had successful um, treatment uh, as he reported, but who knows how good he is or in good condition he is, but he's going to do it. So I'm really intrigued to see Louis Van Gaal and I hope he has success. He was known as a great innovator, although not really these days. He's more, you know, this is who I am, but he can rally these guys. He said that player for player, this Dutch team is better than the team he coached in 2014. And in the, I think that's a great thing to say, Louis, but in the words of Ron Burgundy, I don't believe you. <laughs> they didn't have Van Persie and Arjen Robben and those guys. No, that, that, attacking wise, this team doesn't touch them. That's the problem with the Dutch. But I think they'll, they'll find some goals. And it's great to see those orange jerseys at the World Cup. You talk about countries that when they're not there at the World Cup, the World Cup's not the same. The Dutch are right at the top of that list. That'll conclude Group A. Here on the Soccer OG, we're going to be right back and we will get into the preview of Group B, the U.S. game, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. We are going to get it. Long wait. As you know, if you've tuned into this, this is a labor of love. We've talked about who's going to line up in here and in a few hours, we know. And we'll say, why do we talk about this so endlessly? So everyone relax. I, I, I think it looks good for the U.S. I have the key to their victory. Stick around the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. I'll fill you in with exactly how the U.S. get the win. <laughs> Back again, and before we get to Group B, I forgot to talk about VAR, which uh, had its moment. And, you know, we look at it again, and it, it was offside. It's this crazy technology. The, the offside assist, it, it was offside by a toe. That's what we're going to get. 
So brace yourself. We can't keep complaining about VAR. I was tempted to do it, but I stopped myself. Let's get into Group B. Let's start with the earlier game, England and Iran. England, the favorites in this group. And Gareth Southgate has had a lot of success. Uh, he gets a lot of criticism lately. Uh, maybe he, he was a lovable figure when he, you know, obviously won a penalty shootout for England in a, in a major competition, got England to the semifinals of the World Cup's at final, and to double up and get to the final of the Euros. That's good coaching. There's no other way to do it. Uh, the England roster has come out, and it is top-heavy, so many great attacking options. Uh, the question, the big question we're hearing around England is... You're not really confident about playing with two center backs. We, we believe they're going to play with three. And what happens when England plays with three center backs and they'll play with two wide players, which will be very good. They have several choices to make there. The problem with that is you take out one of the good attacking players. And it's a long list, right? Uh, Harry Kane, who's obviously not going to go anywhere. He's going to be there. But Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford and Jack Relish and Phil Foden. You want to play all those guys, but obviously three center backs, two fullbacks, goalkeeper, that's I'm doing the math for you. That's six. So from the midfield forward, you have four guys. And I listed six right there. You want to encourage that. I, I think it's going to be Kane and Sterling. And then if you do that, it's like a it's really fascinating domino effect. If you do that, then you have Declan Rice, and what worked so well in the big international competition was Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips has not played at all for Manchester City. And now this question is, does Gareth Southgate play him with Declan Rice because he knows that works, and it protects... And by the way, that leaves you with three... What is it? Three... Six, that leaves you with three attacking players. So that long list I gave you now is down to three. I bet you Gareth Southgate's thinking about it. I wouldn't be surprised if you see that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's not going to be a pretty game. And Iran, under Carlos Quiroz in the last World Cup, got uh, two points, I think two goals scored, and they almost qualified for the next round. So expect the same. Very good, talented players. Sardar Asmoon will not be ready to go for the Iranians. You do have Mehdi Taremi who plays at Porto. He scored some important goals. The key for Iran is get him some touches. He's definitely going to start. Uh, Ali... Golizade is a guy who plays in Belgium who I, I don't know if he starts, but I've been impressed by him. Good dribbler. Maybe able to press uh, on those, the back of that midfield for England. And then Alireza Jahanbash, who I don't think, I haven't seen him enough. Like, I can't watch everything. I haven't seen him enough in the Dutch league, but when he played in the Premier League, I liked him. Uh, nice player. So they, they have some good pieces, but I think it's going to be very defensive. Defensive. This is going to be a really stuck-in-the-mud kind of game. It's not going to be... England's not going to take your breath away. But they should be able to shake it on. I think it's a one-goal game. Now, interesting story. Harry Kane wants to wear the One Love armband, which focuses on the minority groups that have been criminalized in Qatar. He and nine or eight other captains want to do the same thing. Uh, and it's against FIFA rules. And we don't know what to expect. But if I see Harry Kane come out with that armband. And by the way, England is going to take the knee. They're going to take the knee. So I like what England's doing. They're they're rattling some cages in Qatar. We need more of that. We need the players to push back. Someone might risk their World Cup here. But will be heroic for doing it. Because this gobbledygook we hear from Qatar clearly... Uh, 
Qatar's in charge. The money's in charge. FIFA's like, yeah. And now the players can step up and do stuff like that. I love it. I don't want Harry Kane to miss out because they say it could be a yellow card. And I'm sure they'll insist on him taking it off. But I hope he comes out with it. I want, yeah, I don't want, don't make them comfortable. And maybe one player goes, I'm out. I don't want to be here. Which would be just so shocking. But if it's that important to someone, it might happen. Maybe it happens on Monday in England-Iran game. I also don't list the stadiums because, quite frankly, I don't care. I don't know anything about these stadiums. You know, when it was in Germany and the really established soccer when it was in Brazil, you're like, oh, Fortaleza, oh, the Maracanã, oh, they're at the Bayerino. Yeah, no, I don't care. So I'll list it there in some of our graphics, but I don't care. England, Iran, England should get through, but we'll see about Harry Kane. That's a very interesting story that I'm looking forward to see if he does it. And of course, do they play with three center backs? The United States taking on Wales. Here we go. We've been talking about it for ages. Uh, we, were, uh, we were wondering, uh, how good is this Wales team? I don't really think they're that good. But to qualify from Europe is amazing. And for Wales to be here is amazing. How do they do this? Yes, they did well in the Euros, but this is the World Cup. Remember, Iceland did well in the Euros. They qualified for the World Cup. Uh, they were glad to be there. They weren't really a threat when they were there four years ago. Wales do have some great players, and I like some of the attacking players. Obviously, Gareth Bale, and we said he's different with Wales as he is when he plays on the club level. Who will be up there with him? Uh, Daniel James, who I think is a no-brainer because he's played along against, or he's played with four of these U.S. players first at, uh, at parent club Leeds and now at Fulham. Some people say Brennan Johnson. I don't know if it's going to be Brennan Johnson. I think Kiefer Moore, who's this big six-foot-five Ford kind of gets in there. I think that's what uh, we're hearing something from the Welsh press. Uh, Harry Wilson. They have some good guys that can kind of get after it for that Welsh team. And we, the question was, are they going to play differently than they normally do? And I just don't think so. This is, again, you know, they're going to play a 5-2-3 or 3-2-5. 3-2-5. There's going to be the wingbacks. There's going to be three guys in the middle. And the key number there is two. Because that's the midfield where the United States can certainly get an advantage. We've talked about if you have those three guys going up, James, Bale, let's say it's Brennan Johnson. And then you have the three in the back. I don't want to get into tactics either here, folks, but so be it. Then you have two in the midfield. And the U.S. have a chance to overrun that. That's not really their strong point, the United States. But they all have those three midfielders. I imagine it's going to be... Uh, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, and Weston McKinney. Even if Weston McKinney's not 100%, you get him in there for a half. If he's not doing well, then you bring him in. Remember, set pieces are important, and he's been there the whole time. I would be surprised if it's not Weston McKinney. And there's an opportunity for those three guys to get a hold of Aaron Ramsey and whoever is. Remember, Joe Allen's not there. This midfield is a weakness for Wales. And Aaron Ramsey's no spring chicken. He's an elegant player, but he's no spring chicken. I think there's a spot there for the U.S. I also think... And I don't know if they do this, because this is a chess match. That the United States come out like Ecuador do. Fly, go, go. You don't want to make a mistake and get caught in the back. And center back is not the strength. You don't want to expose those guys because they are, Wales can fly. Bale's up there, but he's fast. James is fast. These guys can get after it, and the U.S. cannot let them get behind them. So that's... That's the push and the pull. Did the U.S. go for it? I would love to see that ball kicked and they're like, let's get 60% possession, let's go. 
and get those exciting attacking players involved. I just don't know if that's the case. And will Greg Berhalter have a go? Greg Berhalter much criticized. And we've gone back to that story about there's not big name managers here in the World Cup. Wales are led by Rob Page. No one really knows much. This guy's done an incredible job, but Rob Page is not sexy manager name by any means. I mean, he was in lower end football. He lost his job recently, lower league football. So what's he thinking? What is he going to do? I think they play it pretty close to the best. So the U.S. have to assume that Wales are not going to want the ball. So do you go for it? As we mentioned, Tyler Adams is going to be the captain. They got a phone call from President Joe Biden. The U.S. will go with the 4-3-3. We pr I, I'm pretty sure we've seen all sorts of different lineups. The big question is, who will it be in the midfield, McKinney or Aronson? I think it's going to be McKinney. We're hearing some people think it might get to be Josh Sargent over Jesus Fedeta. I would like to see that because I, I think it strength Sargent can get in there and be physical uh, with his Welsh defenders, and Jesus Fedeta can come in. The bench is going to be big for the U.S. Look, if, I, if it's this 11, I'm telling you, you have Fedeta, Gio Reyna, and Brendan Aronson come off the bench, just stay in touch. And those guys can uh, certainly provide that pop. The other one is, is Tim Ream over Aaron Long. I just... I wouldn't be surprised to see Team Ream out there. I just I imagine it makes sense for a coach who's had these two center backs playing together to stick with that for the time being and uh, hope, for, uh, hope you have that chemistry. So I, I'm sticking with Long and Walker Zimmon for this. And I think all four center backs are going to get some minutes here. That being Cameron Carter-Vickers and Tim Ream. So everything seems to be in place. This is the key to the game. This is the key to the game for the United States. You have a very strong team. And Greg Berhalter came out and said that this is, uh, could be, this is a team that could beat anybody on the day. On the day, we could beat anyone. Yeah, probably not. But he wouldn't say that if he hasn't sees his team that is really, really tremendous in, in training and getting through these motions. So uh, the key for the United States is to keep it simple. I keep hearing about center backs the, that play out of the back, goalkeepers that play out of the back. There are very few center backs that do that. We talk about Italy and Bonucci and Chiellini and how Italy, you know, most teams don't do that. You know, call me old fashioned. We know these analytics and all, all these uh, tactics, but call me old fashioned. I want defenders who defend. I want defenders who come in and lay in a good tackle. I want a goalkeeper who stops shots. I don't need a goalkeeper. I would like, I prefer, let me put it this way. I prefer a goalkeeper who stops shots than one who's okay at stopping shots, but is nice at passing sideline to sideline. I prefer the former. Matt Turner's a good shot stopper. Shouldn't be playing out of the back too much. Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman on their day, physical, can maintain a good line. They're not gonna, they're not gonna get beat too much unless you want to make them defenders who play out of the back. You have three, those three guys are serviceable in that capacity as defenders. Your goalkeeper is a shot stopper, your two center backs defending, watching for counterattacks, but deferring to the midfielders to get that ball upfield. I think this is the, the route for the U.S. And Greg Berhalter has to see that as well. We saw what happened in Japan when they tried to play it out of the back. You don't need to. It's a bit of a shift, 
but we've seen from the U.S. they can do it. That requires these midfielders to be a little bit more industrious. Instead of maybe Tyler Adams there, you could have Yunus Musa back there as well, helping those guys. And let those guys defend. Let's go back to old-time football and let those guys do the job which they are very good at. My prediction, I think the U.S. are just better than Wales. I hope they're aggressive, and I'll say 1-0 is your scoreline. And if you have USA and England going into their second game on Friday with three points apiece, we feel a lot better. Just don't lose the game. And by the way, I see a lot of people, their analysis is, just don't lose that game against Wales. And I know I just said it. I need some more, baby. I need some more. It's not going to cut it. Soccer OG World Cup Daily. We will be here throughout the World Cup. A show every day, including Thanksgiving. And check out the podcast. It'll be up there where all podcasts are available. If you want to see me and my rosy cheeks, you can tune in here on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss the U.S. victory. And we will preview Group C. We'll take a look at Argentina. The hits keep coming in Qatar.